You're listening to My Michelle Live Health Watch. Social distancing, lockdowns, changing weather with gloomy outlooks. We are talking Health Watch today, mentally, physically, even spiritually. We're going to need some help and look for the God story. Yes, you're engaged in Health Watch, and I am Michelle Mendoza. Oh, so happy to be with you. This is a kind of a weird time that we're in, isn't it? There's some joy to being in lockdown for some. They're saying, oh, yeah, you know, the commute is great, and my barista always gets my coffee right. But for others, you know, we realize going down this road that being at home can actually be a pain in the neck, the back, and so much more. Well, today we're going to be looking at how to help you in isolation and in lockdown mentally, physically, and spiritually. Matt Peel is with us. He's a certified corrective exercise specialist. And get this, there is help in book form for you because I think we're all feeling it. Let's just be straight with each other. Let's just lay it all out and get honest, all right? We're all kind of feeling it, you know? Last night, I I woke up, my back was a little bit sore. I'm thinking I spent way too much time sitting in front of the screen. All right, so the book is The Athlete in the Game of Life. That's you and me. Stretch, strengthen, live, and thrive. Matt, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Michelle. I appreciate it. How are you today? Well, I'm okay. I, I did a little bit of stretching, but it really rang true that we're all feeling it from headaches, from too much screen time. Uh, we're sitting in bad positions. Sometimes we have these makeshift offices that contribute to the problem, right? Absolutely, because your dining room table and your couch weren't meant for you to sit on there and do work <laughs> for eight hours a day since March. So we think that we're not couch potatoes because we're doing it for work and we're getting paid. But in reality, that's kind of what we turned into. In a thousand percent reality. Ouch. Yeah, we're we're all potatoes uh, from the couch (laughs) to the dining room table to the bedroom. We're sitting on our beds. All these places that we try to go back and forth from because we get tired of that scenery of the same um, picture that we have on the dining room wall to Mm -hmm. the couch, to wherever it may be. But in the process, none of it is really good for us from, as you were saying before, from our necks, from our backs, from our hips. None of it. Okay, so let's let's just go through this. Some of us, you know, we've kind of figured some of that out, but there is some actual research, science, and a discovery that goes behind this. There are some things that are happening to our bodies. Well, let's see. Let's, Let's start with, the feeling. How are people feeling? And when they're going to work, there's at least a little bit of movement, a little bit of walking around throughout the day. You know, you got to get up to go to a meeting. You got to get up, maybe you have a sales call. You're getting up, you're leaving the office and walking somewhere to have lunch or whatever it may be. Here, your commute is from, uh, you know, your bedroom to your kitchen to your dining room table, which might be a total of 15 steps in all of the above, depending on where you live. So none of that is really conducive to (laughs) human happiness. We may think, oh, it's great, but it's so not. Well, think about it. I don't even have to expend the energy to get dressed if I don't want to. I mean, it's pajama pants day at work, right? So, yeah, we're really missing out there. And, you know, we we forget that. I have... uh, an exercise bike thing that goes under the desk. It's just the pedals. You know, I, I thought, you know, I need to get something like this to just remember to move. Uh, Friends that have said, you know, I've had to remember every hour, set an alarm and get yourself up and just walk around. I mean, even that, there are a lot of studies, Matt, where people have had heart problems from spending too much time, for example, on airplanes, long flights from the U.S. to China. That's a long, long flight. And not getting up for all of that time and doing that as a business person, uh, that can cause a lot of heart problems. There are some serious, it's not just a pain in the back, but we're looking at some serious problems. If we do not get it together, if we don't get out of the chair and get with the program, it could cause, well, it could even cause death. That's serious. It, absolutely it can. Absolutely. 
uh, with lots of risk factors leading to you know, obesity, which leads to heart disease, which leads to things like diabetes, um, tons of problems going down that road. And you're right, there's a ton of research out there uh, for that. Mm. But when we're talking about here, sheltering in place, uh, working from home, there's not a ton of research yet because we're still in the middle of it. We haven't quite figured out, well, what is it? Can we sit at our dining room tables for so long? Tell you what, my rear end hurts after sitting at the dining room table for more than about 15, 20 minutes to eat. I can imagine what it feels like to sit there for eight hours. But yet, that's what we're doing. That chair is not meant to hold your body in it for a full workday plus. You know, we're so connected (laughs) now. There is no time, really, that we're unplugging. Because everybody knows, well, why isn't he or she answering the phone? Why isn't Matt responding to this email? I know he's not doing anything. I know he's working from home. (laughs) There's no reason there should be a delay of more than however long it takes to read. So we're so connected. I have a fraternity brother who lives in Memphis. And I was describing the same scenario to him. I said, we're sitting at home. We're hunched over the computers. uh, Our shoulders are hurting. Our necks are hurting. Our backs are hurting. And we're on it constantly. And it's just breeding pain in areas we didn't have pain before. And he said, do you have a camera in my house right now? How, how do you know this is going on? Because you know what I know is going on? Everybody. You know what I know is going on right now? I think everybody has collectively done that thing when your mom says, don't slouch. Everybody, I think, listening right now is collectively, you know, silently just kind of straighten their back out, uh, shoulders up, down and back. I'm sure they have because we're feeling it right now and we forget. We are trying to get connected. And, oh, this just popped into my head. I'm thinking, what are we doing to the next generation as we have kids just kind of sitting there as if they didn't have too much screen time to begin with. Now what? Yes, now they're being forced to have screen time. I have a son who is a freshman in college, and and he lives in uh, Southern California, and he is locked into that laptop all the time because that's where his classes are. That's where the homework is. Um, You know, they're very locked down. I'm calling you, or we're we're speaking here. I live in uh, the New Orleans, Louisiana area. I was born there. There you go. Oh, were you? Yes, I was. In fact, Saints are my second favorite team, always behind the Seahawks, of course. But that's another show for another day. (laughs) Yes, we can spend four hours on that one later. So anyway, so he is uh, locked into that computer. And it's because also there's also um, social problems. But we're not going to get into that on this conversation today. But he's locked in there. And all the time. So you're right. It is our youth. It is, it's oh. of all ages that are now constantly in connection. And, you know, we're, we're talking about some of the problem because uh, we're feeling it. And sometimes we don't make that connection. We're busy with other things, you know. And then you hear this on on this program and you go, oh yeah, you know what, that's that's true and this is happening to me. And that's why we do it because this is all about your health. And that's why Matt is gonna help us out today. God bless Matt. Matt, you talk about uh, kinetic checkpoints. What is a kinetic yes. checkpoint? What's so important about them? So the kinetic checkpoints are basically your major joint areas of your body, which are responsible for movement. You know, there's many different types of, not many, but there are different types of joints in the body. So let's start from where we touch the ground with the feet and the ankles. So typically when you're wearing, say, high heels or even guys with elevated shoes, uh, but we'll kind of pick on the ladies in this one, and our toes are pointed up, our calves are, are constantly contracted. Sure, it looks good, ladies, and you spend a lot of money on that. I get it but you're not doing yourself any favors. And then sometimes I see uh, people in the gym then go and put plates underneath their heels to do squats. Well, all you're doing is exacerbating the same problem that you had before of having tight calf muscles, but then you have your corresponding weak muscles in your shins. So number one, take the plates out. It doesn't matter what about your butt. You're actually hurting yourself and not giving yourself a chance to drop down into a good squat position. Good. So I like that. why does that matter for someone? Yeah. So why does that matter for someone not in the gym? Well, 
let's say you just enjoy gardening and you're going to Home Depot and you got to bend down to pick up that bag of mulch or maybe dog food or maybe a flat of plants. Well, you can't because your calves and your ankles are so tight, you can't actually bend down correctly to pick that up. It's got nothing to do with your back, but guess what? Your back can get hurt because of the lack of flexibility in your ankle area. That's smart. So that's and your now, checkpoint number one. Okay, so on checkpoint number one, I understand we, you know, luckily we're not wearing a whole lot of high heels. And I think of high heels and I have I have more shoes than the average American, Emil Marcos, you know, and I are, are soul sisters in that regard. But I think of high heels more of a, like a dessert. I don't eat dessert every day for every <laughs> meal. It's something I do once in a while. I stay away from sugar for the mm-hmm. most part. But, you know, once in a while, uh, I'll have that piece of pumpkin pie that's great and high heels are kind of like that luckily in in uh, isolation we're not doing that quite as much thankfully but we're not we're really not thinking about that checkpoint uh, in not only not hurting it but how to heal it i get it correct correct so then when we move up we have our knees so that'd be the next checkpoint now the knees are actually kind of the tail bearer of what happens or does not happen correctly in your hips and your ankles. So people have things like runner's knee or they'll have Mm -hmm. uh, issues on the inside, the outside, and the kneecap. And where does that stem from? Well, that can stem from tightness in your ankles. That can also stem from now tightness in your quadriceps and hip flexors, which, yes, Mm -hmm. are major muscles that when sitting reflect the ills of sitting for so long. So we have to stretch out our quadriceps and our hip flexors, but at the same time, we also need to begin isolate strengthening our hamstrings and our glutes. And a lot of people want to stand up after they've been sitting down. They want to bend down and touch those toes and say, oh, it feels so good to stretch the back of my legs. All you're doing is overstretching what's already been stretched. Oh, my mind. Get out. Oh, this is gold. This is gold, Matt. No kidding. Yes. So you're exacerbating the problem, even though, oh, my goodness, that feels so great. You're not doing yourself any favors. So we have to stretch our hip flexors and our quadriceps and then strengthen our hamstrings and our glutes, which then helps our area called the LPHC or our lumbo-pelvic hip complex. You know, Shakira says my hips don't lie, and that's a <laughs> fact, right? Because how your hips are tilted, how the pain that you may have or not have or, or shift in any direction can talk, you know, decide how do you walk, how is the pain. I know you own a, a, a dance company, right, or a company that yeah. um, teaches dance for women. Yes. So – when people are sitting all day long and those pulling those hips out of alignment, they're not going to be able to perform for you the way they want to. And of course, probably the way you want them to do so. And it's all stemming from how their hips are because they sit all the time with their tight quadriceps and hip flexors and weak hamstrings and weak glutes. Oof. So they're going to keep need to talking do... to me. You are, you're, this is magic. This is stuff we need to know. This is all of us. I mean, there's very few exceptions. Uh, keep giving it to us. Let's t- talk about more of these checkpoints. So, right. So as we move up the body into our low back, so again, kind of back to say you want to play tennis and, and you want to have a little bit of that back extension and be able to come down and, and crash that serve, or maybe you enjoy playing golf as I do. You just can't make your shoulder turn and can be in a proper position because you can't activate your glutes and your hamstrings and your low back. So you rely more on your low back to lift heavy loads or transfer weight than you do your quadriceps. Um, I'm sorry, then then you should do with, with your glutes. So then moving up, now you have in your back, you have your thoracic area of your back or your shoulders. And especially as we're sitting at the uh, computer and we're typing, um, it tightens our shoulders, it tightens our pectoral muscles, and weakens the muscles of our upper back. So now it looks like we're so rounded and closed off, and we can't open up because it hurts too much. And that, again, that goes to that tennis serve, getting that shoulder back. 
uh, being able to do it without pain. <laughs> Moving up a little bit more into your neck, there's something out there called text neck. And you see it every day on people. You probably <laughs> see it in yourself. You see that neck protruding forward, leaning forward, because we're staring down at our phones all the time. And I know listeners are going, oh, that's not me. That's not me at all. I'm not doing that. Bet you you are. And that causes tension headaches. That can cause migraine headaches. Hey, work is stressful enough. Why are we (laughs) adding to that stress with how our head is? We have to learn to push our head back and stretch those muscles in your trapezius. And then, again, strengthen the muscles of your upper back, stretching out your pectorals. So it's not just the stretching, but it's also the strengthening of the corresponding weak muscle that needs to happen so that we can bring everything into alignment. There's a term out there called regional interdependence. And what does that big thing mean? It just means we're all connected. So if you have dysfunction down your joint, that can cause pain in your back. If your head's pulled forward, that could cause pain, again, even more in your lower back. So just because you feel pain in one place doesn't mean that's where it came from. This is, as I said, golden. There's so much that we have to take into consideration as we're playing this game of life. If I, I love sports, but before I go out on the field, I have to stretch. If I'm not ready for the game, I'm not going to play it. Once a year, the Sounders have traditionally here in Seattle had <laughs> where I broadcast from have a media match. We play a full 90 media past players and it's, it's a great game, Uh, but if you're not set for it, you got to check out of that game in you know, five minutes, if you're not stretched up, there's a lot of injuries that can take place. That's what we're not thinking about when we engage in our daily life. We're in the game of life and we're not physically up for the task. So that is why we have Matt with us today. And thankfully, not only do you get the pleasure of hearing Matt on our program today, but there is a book, The Athlete in the Game of Life. See, that's you. Stretch, strengthen, live and thrive. The Athlete in the Game of Life. So it can give you a little more insight than we can cover today. But to get you started, our our hero today, Matt Peel, is going to help us a little bit with some stretching ideas, some things that we can do while we're engaged in work, taking a break from work and helping us to correct because our bodies are made to heal themselves. They're brilliantly designed. Yes, our bodies are probably the best machine on the face of the planet in regards to healing and learning new movement patterns or relearning old movement patterns that they thought they forgot. So we'll take an example here. This is something everybody can do right here in your own living room. And we'll go back to that hip area. So stretching out the quadriceps, the old classic runner stretch, right? You grab your ankle and you pull it back. And we want to actually bring that leg that you're stretching in line with your leg that you're standing on. It's not so much just having it in front of it. It needs to be in line and making sure our posture is fully erect. And people say, oh, I can't do that. Well, that's the point. Here's your wake-up <laughs> call. So we want to be able to stretch both legs, and then the corresponding strengthening movement, we can lie down on our living room floor and do what's called a glute bridge or maybe just sort of bridging. It's very simple. You don't need weight for any of this. Lie flat on our back bring our feet close to our rear end so they're flat on the floor and we push up and we extend our hips as high as we possibly can to one stretch out those hip flexors and two activate our hamstrings you can do that with two legs if you're just starting you could do it with one leg uh, if you're a little bit more advanced but that's a great way that you can just work on your hip area which will then begin to correct some other areas of your body as long as you do it consistently, and you can do that uh, every day. You can stretch out for 20 seconds on each leg, drop down, do 15, 20 bridges a couple times a day, and you'll begin to see the results. I like this. So, you know, it used to be back in the day, Matt, people would take smoke breaks. Instead of taking smoke breaks, let's take stretch breaks. I like it. You're on to something. 
I like it too. So these these are things that we can do that you say can correct. And that's part of the problem. I've, I can see we're stretching so that we're feeling better. But when we're dealing with sleepless nights and migraines that are debilitating, are you saying that if we take care of our bodies, if we do some of these stretching, if we uh, get back into that alignment, that we can have some correction and feel better? A hundred percent guaranteed. How often do you hear that? That that the sun's going to rise in the east and set in the west. A hundred percent guaranteed. If you perform these things that I'm talking about, which again are natural, not even organic, just natural to your human body movements, your body will reform itself. There's another term out there called remodeling. And that's what can be positive and negative. And that's what happens when we're sitting on the couch leaning over into that laptop or staring down at that cell phone, our body's remodeled into that hunched over closed position. Well, if they're remodeled into that, they can remodel back into a good upright posture with being able to use your abdominals for core strength and your lower back and have your joints function optimally. So there is hope. So regardless of your age, there is hope out there in Seattle. You can do it and not say, oh, I'm too old. Oh, I'm too young. Baloney. You can no, and some of the things that you talk about are not things that are exercising can be daunting for some. Uh, that's one reason dance is important to me because for some who just don't want to exercise, just dancing is, is fun. Finding something that works for you. It can feel daunting. And when you're just talking about stretching for 20 seconds here or there, that's something all of us can do. So in our final minute together, can you give us just a couple other things that we can, because I've been doing the the runner stretch as we've been talking. You probably heard that in the background. Uh, Just give us a couple other things and and we'll put them into practice right now. Matt Matt and I are going to hold you accountable. Sure. So we can do a great chest, uh, I'm sorry, a great stretch for our chest. And you can find a, uh, a wall corner and you're going to bring your arm out like an L, stand up tall, just keep the, your forearm against that wall and with good posture, lean forward, stretch that pectoral muscle on the chest. Oh, that Again, feels good. about 20 seconds, right? Do the other arm. But then the corresponding strengthening is we need to now strengthen the muscles of our upper back. So for that, For example, we can get a couple cans of soup if we want out of the the pantry. We're just going to hold our arms at shoulder length in front of us and pull back with our elbows. Think of a string pulling your elbows back, and that's going to begin to strengthen our rear deltoids and the muscles of our upper back to help the corresponding tight muscles of our chest. So again, you really don't need weights. You don't even need the soup cans if it just hurts too much and you can't bring your elbows back overall. Start somewhere. Just start with that. Mm. And this is what I really appreciate about you, Matt. In this time, we're not always able to go to the gym. Maybe we don't want to go to the gym. And in some cases, we've seen our favorite gyms having to close. So uh, we can actually utilize what we have around us to stretch, to strengthen, and to heal our bodies. A lot of this is in your book, the athlete in the game yeah. of life. Stretch, strengthen, live, and thrive. Matt Peel has been our guest. You can find him at mattpeel.com. Matt, please come on again and get us healthy, will you? Absolutely. Anytime you want, Michelle, I will be there. Hey, y'all, thank you for being with us today and taking a moment to get connected. On this Health Watch edition of My Michelle Live, we are going to be looking into our health. All of us have, we all have COVID in one way or another. Okay, maybe we're not suffering from COVID-19, but we're experiencing some of the fallout of the pandemic, the stress, the anxiety, some of us, you know, really fearful of of COVID-19. We're experiencing some of the financial strain, some of the effects of social distancing and lockdown. And then you add to it, well, it's just that gloomy time of the year. Well, there's a lot of data that's showing that anxiety and depression are on the rise. We're dealing with SAD, seasonal affective disorder, and people are really having to walk through 
depression, people who may not have ever experienced symptoms of depression before. So here's what we're going to do. Now today, we're going to help you mentally, physically, spiritually, to be empowered to make it through. Angie Summers is a mental health advocate, and she has 20 years of experiencing managing living, and even being able to thrive with her own mental health challenges. She wrote this book called 13 Nights, and it talks about her own experiences with bipolar disorder. And she joins us today, ready to glean some good information and be empowered through this pandemic. Well, Angie's here for us. Angie, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. The book is um, 13 Nights, and I'm curious about the title. Where did that come from? The title for my book, 13 Nights, came from my very first bout with bipolar disorder, and it was awful. It turned out to be one day of no sleep, and then it turned into another day of no sleep, and eventually it turned into 13 Nights. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was really... Hard, very hard to get me help. It was hard to get through to people that this was a mental issue, not me being on drugs or anything like that. You know, it was <laughs> yes. very hard to deal with because I still haven't met anyone who has gone that long without sleep. But I remember it like it was yesterday. It was a very tough experience, but I feel like wow. I have been able to come through it and become stronger on the other end. So uh, let's talk about bipolar disorder and give us maybe a little insight for those who don't really understand what it is. Bipolar disorder, in my experience, has a lot to do more. I mean, they like to ex- or describe it in the sense of that you're either happy or you're sad and you're never really in between. And that's not particularly my experience. For me, it is. Sometimes I'm very up, which means I may have anxiety, while other times I'm feeling quite down, which means I might have some depression. And while that is a huge part of bipolar, for me, the seasonal changes, the light changes that go on, that really affects me. I would say every daylight savings time, I go through a bout of not being able to sleep for about three days. And I know every time it comes, I know. But I think it has a lot to do with seasons and mm-hmm. the light and how that affects your brain. So did this come out of nowhere or was this kind of a slow induction and, and then realization that you were dealing with a bipolar disorder, a mental health issue? I, I think at first I thought it hit me out of nowhere and there was no signs. I felt like the 13 nights, you know, was it until I was able to just kind of look back and see that I was, I was acting out of, like in all sorts of ways. I was stealing money from my stepdad to try to get his attention because I noticed his attention had diverted away from me, and I wanted that back in a weird way. And I was hanging out with all sorts of people that I had never hung out with before, and I just slowly kind of started becoming a different person. And then the next thing I know, May came and then that's when the 13 nights hit. Wow. Okay. This is really cool and really helpful that you wrote a book about this. For you, you have these 13 nights, which is kind of a dramatic, aha, I've got a problem. But you're saying that there was some background and you could see some signs. We'll talk about that in our interview today. To As you're listening, it may be able to help you with some signs that things aren't right in your own world or in the life of someone that you love. Anxiety and depression, uh, even bipolar disorder, are absolutely on the rise. Um, but as as we're looking at our own lives, when is it a, a, an uncontrollable issue or when you know you need help? And when is it just, yeah, we're all just going through the effects of COVID-19 and lockdown? I think anytime you're starting to get to a place where you feel like you can't help yourself, that is the best time to like jump to calling a doctor if you don't have one or getting in touch with the doctor you have and come up with a plan. Um, I think it's just this coronavirus is something that no one knows how to deal with, but we've got to focus on 
the depression and the anxiety, what what can we do to help? So yeah. I think so if you're feeling, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say that meditation is a really great way to like get me back to ground zero and where I need to be to kind of reflect and kind of accept what's going on. Okay, so be maybe being in the moment and uh, when you're feeling at the point where you're out of control or you can't, you know, for some of us when we're dealing with depression or just uh, circumstantial depression, we, we have our own coping mechanisms to bring ourselves out. But when you feel like you can't, that's the time to call a doctor or time to call uh, for some spiritual help and to to pray, to meditate. These are things that can, can kind of bring you back to center at, for the moment and then look for help. But we talked about some of the signs that you went through. Now, we might have signs in our own life, but we also are dealing with the people that we love. There are signs that they may be hurting, and we want to be there before, well, before it can be too late. Yeah, that's very important. And I think it's as simple as just extending your hand out and saying, I am here for you, and just letting that be for that person. Um, also encouraging anyone who is dealing with a mental illness through this to make sure they are paying attention to their doctor and what the doctor is saying. I, I do notice friends who they're getting help for the first time. They've never had to, but they're going to therapy and, you know, um, as a loved one being there, just, I think, you know, try to understand where they're coming from, even though you may not be able to and just be there for them. Good advice. Angie, one of the things that we're seeing on the rise, and we see symptoms of it on social media, and in the way that we speak each other, to each other, is a lot of anger and angst. And sometimes that can be a way of lashing out when you're dealing with inner turmoil. Yes, I, I can tell you that I personally experienced that in a huge way. I, I think... At first, I hit this coronavirus with, I have all these tips, I'm going to put them out on social media, you know, and then the next thing I knew about two months in, I was being very argumentative with people on Facebook, which I don't normally do that at all. I was getting very angry, and I was taking things personal, and I realized I was bored, and out of boredom, I allowed myself to kind of get nasty on social media. But I think that we can flip the script and change social media and make it go back to something where it's a support system and it's something that's positivity for people. Because otherwise, if it's not, I would say get rid of your social media. All right. I want to issue kind of a challenge. I started doing this last year and I've been hit and miss. I wanted to do it maybe weekly or every other couple, you know, maybe a couple of weeks. But Angie, what I started doing on social media is uh, writing out, look, social media can be a place where we rip each other apart, tear each other down and instead, or even post a lot of selfies trying to pretend like my life is perfect. But instead, what I wanted to do is talk about someone. So I will introduce to the world through social media, one of my friends and say as many wonderful praise things I can about them. Like, uh, I want to introduce to you, Angie Summer. She's written a book. She's been so transparent about her mental health challenges with bipolar disorder. She's an inspiration. She's fun to talk to. Uh, she just makes me smile when, when we, when we had our interview, I just want, you know, that's a positive thing that we can do. So you're right. We can flip that switch and try to find ways that we can utilize the tools at our disposal to make the world a little bit better. And I think from studies, we can see that that is one of the tools that you can use when you're dealing with a mental health issue, when you're dealing with anxiety and depression. You mentioned meditating. I've talked about uh, prayer and and, uh, good connections, but that's another tool as well. Yeah. I think now that I'm not so angry on Facebook, I'm finding myself, I, I find the positivity, and it seems like the negative stuff kind of just goes down. And I think it's awesome that we have something like FaceTime. And honestly, I, I used to kind of think FaceTime was a silly thing. I'm like, you just need to talk on the phone. No, you don't need to be face-to-face. But now I FaceTime with all sorts of my friends and family, and we, you know, I think that was 
I don't know if we even had that 10 years ago. I mean, yeah. <laughs> this, this coronavirus is new to all of us, and we're all having to deal with it for the first time. But we have, like you said, just awesome tools to help us stay connected, tools to get help if you need it. And I think if you can make your social media outlets a community for yourself, then you're doing it right. Yeah, and and get as connected as you can. We were not meant to be isolated. Final uh, discussion I wanted to take on was the seasonal affective disorder. And man, as you mentioned, just changes of season can wipe you out a little bit. I think everyone can experience it. We know statistics say that when there are when it's daylight savings time and we change the clock and our circadian rhythm is off, uh, there's a lot more heart problems. There's a lot uh, more of uh, mental health issues that go on and just changes of season. So how have you found a a successful path in dealing with the changes of seasons and the seasonal affective disorder? I try really, really hard to notice from about August. I'll start to try to look around me and see, okay, that light is going to end soon, this light we have in the summer. And notice that the leaves are changing and take notice that you, you know, the leaves go from a dark green to more of a lighter green. And then eventually you'll see some yellow. And if you just keep yourself kind of like what we were talking about in the moment and Mm. watch the season, it doesn't feel like it all of a sudden jumped after daylight savings time. And doing that and also just there's tiny little tools like journaling and we mentioned praying and meditation and reading any kind of self-help book or the Bible. These things you can do daily, and you can just do it for five minutes or ten minutes, but it'll help you feel more grounded when the light is changing and you may feel a little excited, and you're more excited for you don't know why you're so excited. So it brings up some issues, but there's little things that I do to just calm myself down or bring myself up, and it's one or the other, but there's, there's a lot of things that I have found in the last 20 years that really, really help. Angie, you're so real. You're so transparent and real and relatable. And the things that you talk about are the everyday things that all of us can take into consideration. You know, getting out there in nature and experiencing it, I think a lot of what we do is when we're in lockdown or we're dealing with life, we forget that we can kind of connect with nature. That's something that you were mentioning in a real practical way, paying attention to what's happening out there, watching the change of seasons. And being part of the change of season instead of letting the change of season just fall upon you. Enjoy it and enjoy all of the beauty of creation. Being part of that, the the walk that you take us on through your book, 13 Nights, is that kind of practical, this is what I went through. And it's one of those books that you mentioned, you know, like a self-help book or, or reading 13 Nights and understanding you're not alone. We're all going through uh, this time in history together. And when it's difficult and you feel like you're the only one, you're not. You're not alone. Angie and I are here for you. So thank you so much, Angie, <laughs> for you. not only finding your victory, but helping other people to find hope as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you found us here, and we're here to help you feel so much better as we engage in Health Watch because we're also engaged in lockdowns, we're engaged in uh, shutdowns, lockouts, social distancing, and a lot of stress and strife with our worrying about jobs, financial security, and the like. But what if, what if this is your time to find real resilience? What if it's your time to stand up against all that's coming at you? What if we can remember what it is that, that's been built inside of us that can help us achieve even in the midst of great trial? That's what we're going to take on today. Carrie Oberburner is a former pastor. He's a CEO, and he's the author of Unhackable unhackable um that sounds like mm-hmm. that's what i need in my life i need to be unhackable yeah. <laughs> Terry, thanks yeah. for joining us hey it's great to be here you know a lot of times when people hear the name 
hacked. They think it's about a bank account or a computer or a smartphone. We think of those things getting hacked. But the real definition of hacked means that when anyone gains unauthorized access to a computer or a system, and if we think about our bodies and our brains, Michelle, our bodies are made up of systems, circulatory, respiratory, these types of things, and our brains are like supercomputers. So in, in a real way, in 2020, most of us woke up, woke up to a world that got hacked and as a result, we've been sidelined and sabotaged and distracted. And uh, there's some of us that are still trying to recover. But yeah, the book's all about how to make your life, your dreams, your finances unhackable. All right. In this age, I think that finding our dream can be difficult because we mm -hmm. are we're we're like ships without a rudder at times, being blown this way and that way by the circumstances that we are facing and it can feel that way it can feel like we're just floating we're just getting mm -hmm. up every day going through the motions um putting up with the jobs that that, that seem to break our hearts and the circumstances that break us down just because we're floating on an endless sea without direction so wouldn't mm -hmm. that be step one finding yeah dream, you know finding out how to find it yes most of us, it's, it's, it's ironic, but we don't care if we're hacked because oh. we don't like our lives. Mm -hmm. <laughs> In other words, you know, let's just be honest. This is a truth-telling session, but, you know, 86% of the population is in a job they don't love. And a lot of us are going through this life, like you said, rudderless. And therefore, we kind of invite the hacks. Like, okay, I'll go binge on Netflix for six hours or hey, I'm going to go scroll on my screen for a few hours. That is not a life worth living. I mean, sure, enjoyment and amusement is, is okay, but even the word amuse means A, not, muse, think. So it means don't think. And sadly, you know, well, God creates us to love him with our hearts, souls, and minds. And so, yeah, when you do know what your dream is, then all of a sudden you want to guard it, protect it. And then you get this, hey, I don't want to get hacked because I have a big dream inside me. So that first step is definitely discovering your dream. There is something so inspirational in what you just said. And as you're listening right now, get a hold of this and think about this. I'm I'm not immune to some of the effects of mm -hmm. COVID-19 burnout and sure. blues and, and social distancing. We can feel hopeless. Suicide is on the rise. But something you said sparked something. And mm. that's that in the midst of all of this, what if we can have unhackable joy? What if we can have unhackable Ooh, like purpose? That. What if we can have unhackable um, hope? That mm -hmm. that is what really makes a difference. If and and it makes a difference to the rest of the world too, Carrie, because when they see people walking around with a hope that defies explanation and, and goes beyond the circumstance, they've mm -hmm. got to know where does that come from? And that really does come from knowing that God has traditionally, you can read through the Bible, you can see it through testimony through the ages. He's traditionally taken people in horrific situations and given them an unhackable spirit. Mm. So true. And we do have an unhackable God <laughs> who, who um, you know, is just not swayed by Twitter updates. You know, like most of us, we wake up every single day. The average person taps, clicks, swipes their phone 2,600 times a day. And we literally live our lives online. And I'm not saying tech is the enemy, but I am saying that we have so many decisions coming at us, unlike our uh, ancestors. Our ancestors had a couple hundred decisions a day. The average person today has to make 35,000. And even just, even just food is 226 decisions a day. Cornell University said 
So we have so many, so much stimuli coming at us, so many choices. We literally have what's called decision fatigue now, and it's where we just get worn out by the end of the day going on fumes. Uh, our energy levels are down, but there is hope. And the hope of this, and that's why I love your show, the hope is that God created us for, for something else. In fact, as kids, I don't know if you ever said this word, but the word abracadabra. Do you, do you ever say that oh, as yeah, a kid? Yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah. Who is, who, who's the... Uh... Who's the artist that did the song Abracadabra? Yeah, yeah. Steve there, there Miller. Is, is yeah, one. you remember yeah, that? Yeah. Back in yeah. the day. That was. And so it's this term that we kind of toss around and we think it means something magical. But I found some really cool stats on this word, and I think it's who we're created to be. The word Abracadabra means I create as I speak, which mm. is really interesting. So I create as I speak. And it's exactly what God did. God said, let there be light, and there was light, right? And so some theologians even believe that the word abracadabra um, was the first word God said. It comes from three Hebrew words, and if people listening to this know the word Abba, that means father. So abracadabra is literally three Hebrew words, father, son, spirit. And when I found that out, it's like, wow, that's interesting. But yeah, come on, that you didn't just say it's interesting. You're doing exactly what I'm doing right now, getting goosebumps and going. Whoa. And it, uh, you're right, you're right. I was, I was, <laughs> on, I was straight. pretty floored. I was pretty floored. Um, I was because that to me is the way God created His children. God wants us to have these dreams, and then do I say dreaming, doing, dreaming, doing ideating, implementing, like we're supposed to be the most creative people on planet earth that have these desires and dreams, just like in the Bible, Nehemiah or Daniel or Esther, all these cool people. And then it happens. And yet we know that life hacks us. And so Mm -hmm. life kind of um, gets us sidelined, gets us distracted, gets us unfocused. But when we are living the abracadabra life, when we are living this life of, okay, God gives me this desire, and then I do it, we start feeling happier. And that's because all the psychologists believe that happiness results from seeing progress. And I think that's why a lot of people right now during COVID are unhappy because they're not seeing progress, right? I mean, they're, they're getting these, uh, at least I live in Ohio, people are glued to their screens saying, what's the governor going to tell us we can't do today, <laughs> right? And, yeah. and so it's easy to get... Um, unhappy because we don't see progress like but prison. i want to we're like in a dream yeah. in a dream prison as well as a kind of a physical prison and locked down in our own homes yes but they can't lock up your mind and this is where Come we on. need to <laughs> right i mean this is where we need to say okay i can't control what's out there and this is really practical michelle um i'll just spit this out quick because i know we're almost out of time but there's, we wake up in one of two mindsets. We wake up either as a victim who lies in bed, blame, excuses, and denial. That's B-E-D, blame, excuses, and denial, where we say the world happens to me. See, victim, I mean, I've been there. I've been there where a victim is like, okay, the world's happening to me. And then you feel trapped and a prisoner and powerless. But we can also wake up as a victor. And a victor says, I happen to the world. And they put their oar in the water, ownership, accountability, and responsibility, and move forward. And that's the goal of today's listeners is, hey, listen, don't be a victim. Be a victor because that's who you are in Christ. Now, uh, the things that we're talking about right now, uh, you know, you may be making notes, but don't worry. You can get the book, Unhackable. It is all in there. That's why we talk with people who've written great mm. books only my favorite ones by the way because mm. then you have you're like i need this then you pick up the book and that's what you do uh yeah i, I wanted to in our final few minutes together uh go over some other uh, keys that yeah. you, you that you talk about but i i have a kind of a side question and that's on mm-hmm. on dreams you know when do we know a dream is something that we go for or something that we just that's just an escape I wish I could. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, 
you can't shake your dream. Uh, it's not something that you just lose and like you lost your keys. You know, it's in you. Um, I love the verse that says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires yeah. of your of your heart. Yeah. There's two ways to look yeah. at that, right? One is if I get yeah. tight with God, he's going to give me a Lamborghini, which is not the verse. <laughs> the other one is to say. That's <laughs> not what it says. Let's just say right there. Not what if it that's means. your dream, you might want to do a little more praying. Yeah. Uh, pay yeah. attention to the second meaning. <laughs> yes. The second meaning is just like a, a, a husband and a wife or a mom and a kid. If you hang out with the one you love, you'll know what their desires are, right? You, so in other words, as I get tight with God, the desires in my heart are God-given, and you have permission to go after them. And I meet people all the time, even on social media, that are like, oh, no, the heart's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Well, that's a picture of the unredeemed heart hmm. our new hearts are that god puts a new heart in our in our um in our bodies and he gives us a new mind and we're a new creation so i just want to encourage people like stop beating yourself up i used to beat myself up yeah. um you know i used to be a self-injurer but i just found that god is full of love and grace and truth and he wants to set us free so if you're not feeling that maybe you're listening to the wrong voice yeah, I love that. And and when you are concerned, it's fine to say, God, this is a dream that I have. I want to give it back to you. Help me to have the desires yeah. of your heart. And just trust in him. You know, I, I remember someone saying to me, God's ability to make things right is better than greater than my ability to mess things up. If I'm really following after him, he'll, he will direct our paths, right? So Ooh, once we learn that, that dream, and I just want to go through some of these things quickly to kind of set the stage, get us excited, to give us a little bit of hope in this lockdown crazy environment that we are so that our hopes our dreams our joy can be unhackable you have kind of this uh, neurobiology uh, mm. research that goes into unhackable we've talked a yeah. little bit uh, about some of your findings through art science technology education mm -hmm. and the like and all of those things are packed full in unhackable with the spiritual aspect as well so it's like a full meal deal buddy I am <laughs> loving this let's talk just briefly about some of the other uh, keys that that you share in your book mm -hmm. sure yeah really we we talk about unhackability is based around three things it's based around idea focus and flow so we talked a little bit about the ideas the dreams that God gives us and then we get into flow and I'm sorry focus focus is where um, we will be happier as we achieve our goals. All the psychology proves this. In fact, uh, Disney used to have a motto, the happiest place on earth, and then they changed it to the place where dreams come true. Now, which is it? It's both. Hmm. It's, it's the place that dreams come true is the happiest place on earth. In other words, God's put in our brains neurochemicals uh, like dopamine, like serotonin, that, that get excited when we see progress and achievement. And just like the nation of Israel saw, saw things being built and cheered, I mean, there is this joy that comes about us when we see something beautiful. And so you do want that focus. I tell people that there's three focus filters to keep them on track. One is um, urgency, where you gotta set deadlines, because just like school, we often wait till the very last minute the day before it's due, and then we start getting focused. Well, you push that back that deadline, right? Yeah. Yep. I mean, when do we pay our taxes? April fourteenth. You know, so we don't get a <laughs> we don't get a penalty. So I encourage people to make these little penalties for their dreams, and they could be small things. You know, they could be ten push-ups, or they could be one of our clients. <laughs> one of our clients get this wrote a check to the other political party that they didn't want to win and then put it on their desk and said, I have to send that if I don't do my dream. I'll tell oh, you what, great. that was some motivation, right? So that was called a focus filter. And sure enough, he got it done. And, and, and you know, there's little things like that where you can create losses or wins uh, based upon some of that urgency. I love that. So there's, and this is just kind of scratching the surface, I think, 
you have written a book that we absolutely need in this time to not just follow our dreams, but to be able to have a solid foundation for our dreams and for those dreams, our joy, our hope, our lives to be unhackable. Mm. That's a that's the name of the book, Unhackable. Carrie Oberburner has been our guest, and it has been such a joy. What a blast it's been to talk to you. I I love uh, starting the show feeling good and leaving the show feeling great. <laughs> well, thank you for all you're doing in the world to ignite souls, and uh, it was just a real honor to be here. Well, come on back sometime, won't you? All right. I'm Michelle Mendoza. You've been listening to Health Watch. Check out more at mymichellelive.com. Oh, 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 oh,